0: As I was waiting for the service the service to begin, I was standing over here looking out the window and there was this little squirrel running on the tree. And Andrew and I were talking about that a moment. and I said, you know, I wonder what a squirrel thinks about in terms of their life. You know, what, what is life about for a squirrel? And he said, it's probably survival. And I would guess that's probably right. And it struck me in that moment that we come face to face again with one of the things that separates human beings from the other animals. And that is our ability to process a purpose for life. And one of the purposes for life is is to try and and right wrongs. To try and think about this world in a way in which we we see situations, we see people, we see circumstances that we know are not what they ought to be, and we want to do something about it. We call that justice in many circles in many ways. And and there is a great cry in our world for justice. Organizations are started seemingly almost every day to address justice and and we are continually being bombarded with issues related to justice. And the reason there are so many cries about justice is because there is so much injustice. We see it all around us, and it varies. it's at different levels. It, it is injustice at the, the great macro levels of governments and corporations, and there is the injustice and the micro levels of the day-to-day things of our lives. As Christians, we care about injustice. We care about justice. And and something in us, hopefully, wants to address it. But it is so easy for us to begin thinking rightly about justice and injustice and to twist it just a little bit so that it's not Exactly what it should be. When we read the story of Jesus' passion, there is injustice all over the place. One of the things that struck me as I reread this story again over the last few months was this, this part of the story we read today. Jesus has appeared before Pilate, They've, he's interviewed Jesus, and he comes out to the Jewish leaders and says, I can't find anything wrong with him, he's not worthy of, of being executed, I'm going to let him go, and they put up a fight. And of course, they have a lot of power, and and Pilate, the Roman emperor, is a little bit scared of them, and, and so he thinks, well, maybe if I just rough up Jesus a little bit, that will appease them. And so they, he takes Jesus in, and the soldiers beat him and mock him, and... And by the time they're done, Pilate brings him back out, and Jesus is probably a mess. A lot of blood, a lot of bruises. And I think Pilate is thinking, this will be enough. And he says, here's a man. And immediately, the religious leaders cry out, crucify That's not enough. We want to see him die and we want to see him die painfully and we want that to happen now. And their reason for that is its justice. He's broken the law. He has blasphemed God by saying he's the son of God and he deserves to die. That's justice. And their words of crucify him in their minds are justice even though I think they know it's not really justice. But they have so convinced themselves that I think they believe maybe it is. When you go back into the Gospels, you find them over and over again jealous of the, of the attention that Jesus gets from the people. I mean, John 11, after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, the people swarm him. And people are coming from all over to, to follow Jesus. And someone runs to Jerusalem and tells the religious leaders and they gather together the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of the Jews, and say, what are we going to do? We have to do something about this because if the people keep following him, the Romans are going to come in and take away everything we've worked our lives to get. And John says that moment they began their plans to plot plotting to kill Jesus. It's not really about the law. But they have so convinced themselves that they are right no matter what. That when they cry crucify, they feel justified. A wrong's been committed and they have the right to do something about it. And the frightening part of this story is that if you and I are going to put ourselves into any play any place in this story we're the religious people we're not this pagan emperor we're the religious folk and it ought to frighten us we talked last week about truth and 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 truth and justice are, are intimately woven together it is often our our passion for truth that leads us to a passion for justice. But here's the thing that we forget. Justice in the Old Testament doesn't, look, doesn't always look like the justice that we think about. Our justice tends to be they need to get what they deserve. And we want to see that they get it. But when you read the Old Testament, while there is certainly some of that, there is much more sense of justice is about people who are vulnerable being protected. It's about people who are who are innocent being helped. It's about people who don't have power We're standing up for the people who don't have power in the face of the people who do have power. It is about stepping into places where people are being treated unjustly. It is typically about them, not about us. And our justice, our sense of justice, our sense of getting pe- giving people what they deserve, tends to be because we've been offended. Much more than because people who can't do anything about it have been taken advantage of. I find that sometimes the most the most bloodthirsty people for justice are, are people who make claims about following Christ. We want to see people get what they deserve. And we will go to great lengths to see that happen. Now, there is a place for standing up about justice. There is a place for, for standing up for what is true and right. And the scriptures continually commend us to do that. And we need to do that. But I'm concerned about about how we pick and choose the things we stand up for. Whether they're about us or about other people. And I'm concerned about the attitude and the spirit with which we stand up for justice. I think one of the first things we have to do is to step back from our call for justice... And to, to acknowledge, humbly acknowledge that there are times, probably far too many times, when the church has been culpable for injustice. And we do it in the name of justice. We do it in the name of we're trying to do the right thing, but we have been culpable. You think back to the the first Europeans that came to this country that we know of. They came here to escape religious persecution. And how short a time it is before they become persecutors of the people who have a different theological perspective than they do. I've often wondered how different our nation would look if from the very beginning the church would have stood up against slavery. If the church right from the beginning would have said, this is abhorrent and we are going to be a voice for these people, we are not going to let this go. I wonder how different race relations would be in our nation. I wonder how different the dynamics of our nation would be about how we care for each other and what's important to us as a nation. I wonder how differently people would look at the church If when the cases of abuse arise to our attention, we acknowledge it and we deal with it instead of trying to cover it up. And I'm not just talking about one particular church because this has infected all churches, all organizations. And I know we we make excuses, we have reasons. You know, back in the days of the slave trade slave owners were typically the most the wealthiest people in the church and and I, I you know you often hear well they treated their slaves better than anybody else treated their slaves they still own slaves and I know when it comes to covering up things that go on in the church that there is this mindset that we have this bigger vision this bigger purpose from God and and if, and if if we acknowledge that this that things have gone on and it's going to it's going to undermine this big calling and vision that we have of God and the truth is exactly the opposite has happened and and i think it's important for us to recognize to acknowledge that we struggle with creating scenarios and situations of injustice even even unintentionally, because of our sinfulness and because the church is not perfect. And, and we have wrestled with that. So then the question becomes, what do we do? How do we balance this this tension? How do, how do we live in this tension between you know, being c- concerned about justice and, and wanting to see justice done and overcoming injustice and yet doing it with the right things and in the right spirit? And I think the answer is clear. It's the cross. When you start thinking about what justice looks like in the kingdom, the only way we ever have a chance of getting it right is to make sure that the cross is in the middle of our definition and our understanding. Because once the cross becomes central, then we move from proving we are right to doing what is right. Right? We move from condemning people that we disagree with to wondering what is going on in their lives that might put them in a position of doing such things. We move from trying to nail people to a cross in order to appease us to taking up the cross in order to be agents of reconciliation between people and God. It all starts with a recognition that none of us deserve anything from God, but judgment. We all deserve judgment. We forget that, and 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 it's that it's this it's that forgetfulness that causes us to be arrogant in our in our perspective of justice toward other people. We're not as bad as they are. We don't do the things that they do, and that's good. It's good that we don't. But we become so easily judgmental toward other people and and unmerciful toward other people because we forget if God gave us what we deserve, wow, we'd be in big trouble. It's only God's grace that has put us in a position of, of responding the way we should. Of seeing the difference between justice and injustice and right and wrong and good and bad. It is God's grace in our lives that makes it possible. And the cross keeps that in front of us. And when we have the cross in the middle of our definition of kingdom justice, then we begin to change our perspective about people. We still abhor the injustice and we abhor what people do. But in the face of the cross, what we want for people is God's mercy more than God's vengeance. We, we, there are times where we want God's vengeance. Let's just be frank about it. There are times where I want God's vengeance. And I say, Lord, I hope you give them everything that they deserve. And of course, it's in those moments when you can kind of feel the hand of God sort of turning back on you. The problem is that in that mindset, in that spirit, It can easily overtake us. And a spirit of wanting vengeance on people can easily create in our hearts bitterness and hatred and a spirit of retribution. And we think sometimes, well, we can feel vengeance toward people and still be people of kindness and compassion and gentleness and love. And we can't. You cannot do both. And somewhere in this sense of justice, again, because we realize that God has been merciful to us, we hear his call to be merciful to other people. We don't ignore what people do. We don't act as though the the injustice is not wrong. We face it. We deal with it. we, We work against it. But we do it not in a spirit of vengeance, but in a spirit of compassion and mercy. Why is it that we want justice? Is it so that people who will get what they deserve? Or is it so that we can set people free who are being mistreated? Is there a sense of mercy and justice in our hearts? You think about the the, the religious leaders. And even if they firmly believe that Jesus is completely wrong and he deserves what he gets. You would think that if they were at all connected to God, there would be not a sense of joy about Jesus getting it, but deep pain and agony that this is the end that it has to lead to. And I think God is calling us to that kind of spirit through the cross. And really all we're talking about is the spirit of Christ. As Jesus hangs on the cross looking down at the very people who yell, crucify him. The very people whose, whose manipulation have put him on the cross. He doesn't say, Father, give them what they deserve. He says, Father, forgive them. And that's not easy to do. Putting the cross in the middle of our understanding of kingdom justice means that what we do and how we're involved is going to be costly. And it's going to be painful and it's going to be counterintuitive to everything that we want to do. But we remember that Paul writes of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But humbled himself, taking the very nature of a servant in human form, he humbled himself to death on a cross. And Paul says, have that mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. Christ's solution to the injustice of the world was the cross. Love. Love. Mercy. Truth. Sacrifice. Struggle, I think, often is that we're we're more interested in winning than loving. But here's the truth. If we love and lose, we still win. If we don't love and win, we lose. Paul writes to the Corinthians, I can have every spiritual gift in the world. I I can be the most generous person who's ever lived. I can sacrifice all that I am. If I don't have love, it is nothing. And that's why we come to this table this morning. At this table we receive once again the grace and mercy of God in Christ. And at this table, we hear God's call to be people who embody and give mercy and grace. So that as we stand up about injustice, as we become people who are actively involved in being a voice for people who have no voice, being an advocate for people who have no one to advocate for them. As we begin to address the evils and the ills of our world and our society and our culture, we do it because of God in Christ and his mercy. Because of what he's done for us. And it's in that spirit that we involve ourselves in the world. Thomas Akempis once said Jesus now has many people who love his heavenly kingdom, he has very few who want to bear the cross. kingdom justice is calling us to bear the cross because Christ has borne the cross for you and me. Heavenly Father, you know our struggle. Our struggle with Justice and truth, self righteousness, arrogance, pride. Forgive us. Father, it is an amazing thing that despite all you've done for us, we turned away from you. We refused to love. We became heartless, and yet your love and mercy remain steadfast. Father, we pray that you will give us more and more of the heart of Christ. That as we work in this world for your kingdom, We will do so in the spirit of Christ. Father, we thank you for the bread and the cup that we are about to partake of this morning. Pour out your blessing on these elements that as we eat and drink, we may sense anew the grace of God poured out for us and that we will be stirred. To be people who are full of grace and mercy. We pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen.